unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm good. I have been drinking. I've been sipping on some green tea all morning, so I, I got my caffeinated fix for the day, and I'm I'm stoked to be back on the podcast with you. Well, green tea it it caffeinates you without giving you the same jitters and energy and intensity that coffee does, right? It does. You know, when we first started the podcast, I was so addicted to coffee. I'd have to wake up and and drink like two or three cups before we started each episode. Yeah. And uh, I tried to, I've been trying to wean off of coffee, um, but I haven't been able to get myself off of tea yet. Well, um, many, 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 many millions, billions of people in the world drink one or the other. So welcome to a worldwide addiction. <laughs> That's true. So <laughs> addictions aside, what are we going to be talking about today? We're going to be talking about intensity. And, you know, a lot of people throughout my life have told me I'm very intense. And I don't have any idea why. But I don't want to talk about personal intensity. <clears throat> I want to talk about intensity and copyright. Because I think it's something, in fact, I have statistical proof that it's something that can make a difference in your response rates. And I don't think most people understand how to achieve it. Some people do achieve it just by their very nature. And some people don't because they don't know what to do or don't know what it is. So I want to see if we can at least offer people some alternatives to that today. Okay. So before we jump into it, I'm going to make an observation of my own. A lot of people's sales copy is super boring and it lacks any kind of excitement. It lacks anything that makes me want to actually take an action at the end of reading their sales copy. And I think maybe they're trying to play it safe. Maybe they don't know how to include intensity. And maybe I'm completely off base. Is this what you're talking about when you're talking about intensity? Kind of, sort of. I mean, this is not about how to be interesting or how to be provocative or how to be Ben Settle on steroids or anything like that. We've covered those things to some degree, not, not the last one, although we did talk about Ben Settle and his zombie cop series, which is interesting, but not really instructive. But no, and yet, I think if you follow the things that we're talking about today, your copy will become more interesting. But that's not the primary thing we're talking about. That's not the primary thing this is about. It's about something else. And let me explain what it is. So. I was working with a client on his emails. Now, these are not cold emails. They're emails to a list of over 800,000 people, okay, for one of his clients. He's a copywriter, and, and they're a marketing company, and they have a lot of readers. And they do very precise metrics. They measure everything. And so... What he found is he would write short emails and he'd get one level of click-through. 
Then he would write longer emails and he'd get a higher level of click through. But if he would write a longer email and then boil it down to a shorter email, he would get a highest level of click through. And when I looked at the copy, I realized that the email that had been condensed down from a longer email to a shorter email had greater intensity. It seemed denser. It seemed like it had more meaning and more energy and more pungence and more punch. And so I want to talk about that today because everybody's looking for higher response rates. And I'm sure if you're the person writing the boring emails, you'd rather be writing more interesting ones. And I think everyone needs to know this. But here's something that most people, but not all people already know. And that is that copy is powerful. And you're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Nathan, let's start with what intensity in copy is, why it's important, and why it's especially necessary to have it in your copy. And, and let's talk about boring. So, boring stuff usually is low energy, it's very monotonous, and it just doesn't have anything that raises curiosity. It doesn't have any surprises in it. Okay. So getting rid of that problem, if you have high energy, interesting copy, I mean, that's where my client was starting. You know, the things he was writing, the original short emails, the first stage of those three stages, they were high energy. They were pretty interesting, but they weren't intense. They, and I think intensity it's sort of like concentrated information. Um, so let me give you a couple of quotes from people to set the stage here. The first one's the famous Joe Carbo. And I use this <clears throat> with my clients a lot when, when we're working on some copy and there's just too much information, too many images too many picture words in too short a space. I, I say Joe Carbo had this idea called the RCA principle in his book, The Lazy Man's Way to Riches. And RCA used to make radios. I don't even know if people know what radios are anymore, but they used to make AM and FM radios, you know, like the kind of things some people have in their cars. Except they, they were like as big as couches or tables at the time. And so RCA was synonymous for radio at the time he wrote this, late 70s. And he said the RCA principle is you build the best radio you can. And then you keep taking parts out of it until it stops working. Then you put that last part back in again. So it does. So the idea is throw it out there on the table, right out, you know. Uh, war and peace of 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 email, and then 
then take it down to Cliff's notes. Okay. So that's one thing. And then, especially because a couple days ago was Johannes Brahms' birthday, the classical composer. And especially since Doug Pugh has united me as the Johannes Brahms of copywriting, Brahms said, it is not hard to compose, not hard to compose music, but what is fabulously hard is to leave the superfluous notes under the table. So in both cases, we're talking about rewriting after you write your heart out, after you put everything you got out in there and then boiling it down to the bare essentials. Okay. And as far as intense copywriting, yeah, it's important everywhere. It's important in all the emails that Nathan's opening that are boring the living crap out of him, right? That's important. But it's especially important when you're writing to cold traffic and when you're introducing a new product, okay? If you want some examples of copywriters who just always seem to write intense copy, I would pick Gary Halbert and John Carlton. Not that you need to write like them, but so you will recognize this animal when it's walking through the jungle. What does intense copy look like? It looks like the kind of copy they wrote. There are, of course, a lot of other intense copywriters, but their work is widely available and they're pretty well known. So this discovery I made with my client, let's, let's boil it down to something real simple. There are three ways to write copy, three approaches, three mindsets. One, the smallest number of words you can from the start. I'm going to write this like I'm writing a telegram or like I'm being charged $100 for each word I put down. So I've got to be economical with my language at the start. That's approach number one. Approach number two is barf it all out onto the page, the screen, just just everything you can possibly think of. Throw in everything but the kitchen sink. Then throw in the kitchen sink, too. Oh, and the third one is write everything, and then, like, you've got a knife and a piece of wood, whittle it down, pare it down, pare it down, pare it down, pare it down. So that's sort of the RCA principle, right? You you build this fantastic world-beating radio, and then you get it down to the size of a tiny little mini transistor radio. Hey, let me ask you a question. Does it take you too long to write your copy? And if it does, have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster? Well, if that describes you, then you'll want to know about high-speed copywriting. This is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leaves you with cookie-cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable, response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven, too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at highspeedcopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert seal of approval to. So check it out today, highspeedcopywriting.com. Thank you. And now back to our show. The third approach is best. And 
there's a funny thing that happens, and I'd, I'd love to get your take on this, Nathan, but there's a funny thing that happens when you write it all out and then you boil it all down, even though a lot of the other words and a lot of the other work seems to be gone, the energy of what you had before is absorbed and concentrated in that new, shorter email or sales letter. What are your thoughts on that? I think there's a couple things going on. Number one, you mentioned Carlton. I know that he's famous for saying in his headlines, every single word has to earn its place. If it doesn't earn its place, it doesn't belong in the headline. Yep. I think the other thing that's going on is, and this is a storytelling technique and a screenwriting technique, which is if it doesn't move the plot forward, it doesn't belong in the story. And you're famous for saying, if it doesn't move the sale forward, it doesn't belong in the sales letter. And the thing that what really is, in my opinion, going on on, on a psychological level that people don't understand or, or maybe subconsciously understand is that if it's there and it's not serving a place, we subconsciously know that it doesn't belong there. And it, it, starts, it starts opening loops that maybe don't get closed or it starts uh, kind of feeling like fluff. And we don't like that. When we're reading a book, when we're watching a TV show, or when we're reading a sales pitch, we don't like the fluff. And if there's a lot of fluff there, it takes away. So really boiling it down to the main essential elements that need to be there, for us as the end reader, it actually feels better for us. It feels better when we watch a TV show that doesn't have pointless scenes, when we read a book that doesn't have pointless scenes. And when we're reading a sales letter that has all of those pointless words or those pointless sentences edited out, it just feels better for us. And if it feels better reading it, we're obviously going to get a better response from the readers. That is a great point. I, I agree with you. I love what you said. One of my favorite shows is Billions on Showtime. And I noticed last week they had two writers. They had someone who came up with the story and it said story by so-and-so. And then another writer teleplay and you know those are not the only two people involved and that show is an example of no wasted beat no wasted second no wasted word no wasted scene no wasted anything it's it, it's all very strategic so it's a different level of thinking than oh gosh i want to sell this thing to you it's like what am i trying to do and what's what's moving it forward and what's what's you know, putting it in limbo or moving it backward and let's get rid of what's putting it in limbo or moving it backward. Um, but let me, so thank you for that. Let me move ahead with, with sort of what I, what I got planned to explain how to get other ways to get intensity in, into the copy. Part of it is sort of taking the Olympic athletes approach. You can't always do this, but when it's really important, you should do this. Push yourself to the limit when you're writing. It's not a dry process. You got to be all in. You got to be emotionally engaged, mentally engaged, even physically engaged. Put on blinders. Just get into it because intensity also comes from effort and exertion and momentum. And I can't explain how this works because often it's the same words, but you can tell. Somehow you can tell the way the person puts those words together how much buy-in they had. And, you know, this kind of very dynamic, 
almost compulsive way of writing leads to urgency. And when I say urgency, I don't just mean urgency in your clothes. I mean urgency all the way through that it's sort of like if you had a friend who suddenly got the skin, you know, between their bicep and the and the back of their wrist, uh, the palm of their hand cut and they were bleeding out, uh, you wouldn't just feel urgency about tying the knot in the tourniquet. You would feel urgency every step of the way to get them the tourniquet, to wrap it around their arm and to pull it tight and then to tie the knot. That's a rather extreme and, you know, uh, macabre example of um, the kind of urgency you want to feel when your copy is that intense. And I know Carlton pretty well, and he he's like that. He has that urgency when he's focusing on copy. You've got to get involved, engaged, committed to the offer and the copy. When you're feeling that way, you're going to become a little evangelistic in your copy. And you've got to put that energy into what you're saying and how you say it, but without losing your credibility. And you might say wild, unsupportable stuff when you're writing. You take another phase to edit it back so that you still have credibility and put in supporting facts. But again, urgency is not just something that you add in by formula at your close. It needs to be your present attitude in the moment when you're writing, especially if you're seeking intensity in your copy. And there's another thing. The ultimate driver for intensity is a deep belief in your product and the desire to tell others about it. Some copywriters, especially at the beginning parts of their careers and at transition points, get crazy schedules, like they're super saturated with too much work to do. Like one of my other clients this week had to write four landing pages and nine emails in one day, all of a sudden, you know, that it happens to all of us, not that exact thing, but something like that. Doug Pugh was on a podcast a few weeks ago. He talked about his crunch time when he had to write, I don't know, what was it? 60 emails and a sales letter all in one week. Right. And um, so when that's happening, Unless you already know your product and your market really well and you've written about it before, you're probably not going to get the level of intensity that you would get if you're following the steps we're talking about here because you're not going to have time to write it out and then boil it down. You're not going to have the bandwidth, the time on the clock, the headspace to just focus on this, get deep into your belief. So in other words, you can't always do this. But when it counts, you should be able to set aside the time and take the necessary steps because I think very often, most of the time, you'll find that the most winning sales letters have a tremendous amount of intensity. I'm going to just make a reminder for the listeners, go back and listen to that episode that we did with Douglas about how to actually get that intensity, even when you're up against a deadline, even when you're uh, facing that crunch time. Because some of the things that he mentioned in that show, um, I know personally, 
sometimes my most intense sales letters come out of that crunch time. So um, you can you can take it and it can cr- it can crush you, or you can take it and you can actually uh, use it to get some of the best sales letters out of it. Yeah, I think that's a really good episode. It was, um, I'd say, about eight weeks ago. I'm not sure exactly what, um, something like that. Yeah, six six to eight weeks ago. All right, so that's about it. Any other thoughts or questions before we wrap this one up? Uh, maybe just a little bit of a clarification, and I think it's because you just kind of brushed over it, but a lot of times when we're writing sales copy, we want to add that urgency to the close. We want to give them a reason to act now, but that's the only place that we usually put that sense of urgency. Uh, are you saying that maybe we should try and, and have that, that feeling throughout the rest of our sales letter, or did I misunderstand that? No, you didn't misunderstand it. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's not quite as simple or cut and dried before the close it is as it is during the close that is uh in the close you're trying to create a sense of urgency in, in a customer and so there are techniques you can use scarcity deadlines things like that in the rest of the letter urgency is something you need to feel the same way you would feel if you had to get a tourniquet on your friend's arm before they bled out okay so there you you know it's like you're not trying to make the tourniquet or the arm or the other person feel urgent but they're experiencing your urgency as you are tying up that tourniquet as as and and tightening it as much as possible as quickly as possible so it's a feeling you need to have not like i have to get this done right away but like this is important i have to get this message to other people and i have to get them to see the value of this product and why they need to have it it's that's what i mean by urgency i want to say it was a eugene schwartz lecture but i remember reading one time that i'm i'm positive it was eugene schwartz i remember reading one time that he did a 30 30 method or a 33 method mm. where he would set the timer for 33 minutes and that was the only thing he focused on while he while he had the timer, he said, "This is my time for writing. Nothing is gonna no Facebook, obviously not Facebook, but n- nothing's gonna distract. Nothing else takes priority. This is urgent, and this is the only thing that I'm paying attention to right now." Does that kind of play into what you're saying? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, he was probably able to get himself into that mindset through method and discipline rather than through you know, this emotional ginning up that I'm talking about. You know, he had this method of 3333, and he had the discipline to either write or not write, but not do anything else. He had to sit there, and he wasn't writing, then he was not writing. It was sort of a Zen binary thing, the way he described it. Yeah, and and that, the intensity, if that's all you're doing, it'll start to well up and, and rise up inside you. Absolutely. Nice. All right, David, another fantastic episode. Where can people go if they want to check out more episodes of the podcast? They can go to copywriterspodcast.com. Awesome. All right, man. Until next week, I'll catch you later. Okay. Catch you later. Thanks.
Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so you never miss an episode. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.